A B C D E S H J K I N P T Y S T U V W S Y N T Now Y Y Y A B C Welcome to Care Conversations, the podcast where we explore various topics that pertain to respectful interactions with children. I'm Liz. And I'm Stephen. Today we're talking with Rhoda Elmy and Sky Purden from Jasmine Childcare and Preschool. Would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Rhoda Elmy. I'm the founder and the director of Jasmine Childcare and Preschool. Hi, my name is Sky Purden, and I'm the development director at Jasmine Childcare and Preschool. Excellent. So could you first tell us a little bit about um, Jasmine Childcare and Preschool, how you run it, how you got started, uh, what is it like there? Jasmine Childcare and Preschool is a multicultural childcare center that provides a nurturing environment and prepares kids for academic success. Uh, Jasmine Childcare was started 2015 here in Fargo, North Dakota. And the reason that I started uh, Jasmine Childcare was uh, a family member in North Dakota um, invited me. And over my visit in North Dakota, they told me that there was a need for a multicultural daycare center here in Fargo. I did my research for two years. And finally, when I found it came to me, it came clear to me that there was a need for a multicultural daycare here in Fargo, and that's how I started Jasmine Childcare and Preschool here in Fargo. Sure, so there was a need for uh, multicultural care because of the uh, the demographics in the community. There's a lot of diversity in Fargo, from what I recall. Uh, North Dakota is not a big city as compared to uh, Minneapolis or uh, these big cities, but we did ha- we do have a big uh, community here, but it's not as big as in the communities that we have in Minneapolis and somewhere else. But I mean, the people who are here in Fargo are looking for somebody who can understand them, who can, who, who they can relate to. That's what they were looking for. Excellent. And Sky, what is your role at Jasmine Childcare and Preschool? So my role at Jasmine Childcare and Preschool as the development director is to help the nonprofit side of Jasmine Childcare and Preschool. Um, Jasmine Childcare and Preschool became a nonprofit and started operating as a nonprofit since the beginning of 2020. And as a part of that, Jasmine Childcare now can apply for grants to support the clients who are low income and help them with those types of financial barriers that prevent them from having access to quality childcare. And then I personally, what I do is I'll like write grants. Um, I'm doing different types of fundraising. Uh, We participated in Giving Hearts Day for the first time this year. And also helping with 
develop new programs. So if there's other needs that we want to start to work on, like, for example, we've been working on helping more families get access to evening hours. Um, so we started an evening shift as well. And then we want to make sure to expand our after school program to give kids more opportunities to have the support they need. So a part of that is communicating with a lot of different community leaders, community actors, and different organizations. And so I would be a part of those conversations on how we can work together, collaborate to pro provide the services that these uh, clients need. Sure. So I had a question about the name Jasmine Childcare. Where did that name come from? That's a very good question. When when I came here to uh, Fargo and I decided that I want to make a, a, a childcare in Fargo, me and my family, we came together and we, we, we thought maybe we could decide a name. So we thought of different names, but then we decided, okay, why don't we write our names or different, whatever, everybody, what comes to your mind, just write it down in a paper. My daughter, my youngest daughter, she wrote her name in there. We were not supposed to write our names, but any other name that comes to your mind, please write in a paper and just throw it there. So we'll pick it up. So her, mm -hmm. name, her name came out three times, Jasmine, Jasmine. And that's how I took the name from Jasmine Childcare and Preschool. <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> so it was a bit by uh, random chance then? But yeah. What's a random chance? And I mean, she came here and she volunteered for one year. That's fine. I told her, okay, your name is there. You need to volunteer. So she volunteered for one year. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> yeah. Just um, some more general information about the childcare. How many cultures are represented in your staff and the children that attend there? And about how many staff and how many children do you have there? Uh, since uh, last week it was nine, but now it's ten. more. <laughs> ten, ten ethnic uh, group. Uh, so our kids represent uh, present ten different countries, and then our teachers are also. We have new teachers from different backgrounds. We are more than now. <laughs> we have more uh, teachers that uh, we have more teachers that. Uh, Oh, I was trying to count. Uh, we, we, before we had uh, teachers who speak four different languages, but now we have teachers who speak more than four languages because we hired new teachers and they, in addition to the English, they speak different languages. Oh, excellent. And so with all of those different cultures and all those different languages represented, it, represented um, how do you promote like a community feel or unity within your staff and for your students as well. The main goal that we create at Jasmine Childcare is to create an environment where kids feel that they are accepted and honored, where they feel they are confident and they can relate to. That's why we need more diversity and people from different backgrounds so that we can we can teach the, we can teach the kids that they should be proud of who they are. Our teachers speak different languages and 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 the reason that is very important is that some of the kids who are in the daycare office also speak that language. So when you talk to the kid, 
their home language, it makes a big difference. They can relate to you. It will make things easier for them. You can explain to them. You can tell them. I speak Arabic and Somali and English. So when I'm talking to kids from that culture, I talk to them in that language to explain to them what they don't understand. We don't do that. You know that. We don't do that at home. This is what we do if they don't know anything. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, that's how that's that's the name of that thing in English. So that that's very important thing. It's very important for us. That's how they learn. By picking up these small things, kids will learn. And they, they can relate and they feel environment where they are appreciated, respected, honored of who they are. And that's what we care about. That's what Jasmine Chakia is all about. Yeah, I think that's super important. Like I've been in bilingual environments before and uh, definitely supporting the child in their own language is just so crucial. Yeah, it's really important for their learning and for their confidence as well. Yeah, it builds their confidence. And I mean, again, when kids are raised in the, when kids come here and they interact with kids from different cultures, that builds them and teaches them how, when they grow up, how they can interact with people from other countries, when they work, when they go to workplace, or they go into the social, social, in their social life. They're not going to have a hard time interacting with people from different cultures because they grew up here and they had a friends from different countries. So it would be something that's nurture for them. Absolutely. Have you ever had conflict arise kind of out of um, cultural differences? And how do you handle those kind of conflicts? Uh, between the, you mean between the kids or the parents? Either way, yeah. One thing we have to keep in mind is, uh, as a director, I have to be open-minded. When parents come to here, everybody comes with their own belief. And they expect they expect me as a director or the, the daycare to do what we what they want exactly. So well, they will come and tell me, oh, I don't want my kid doing that. Uh, okay, I don't say why not. Why why don't they do? All I tell them, okay, let's give give us a one week and see if it works for the, for your kid or not. If it doesn't work, we can we can talk about it. But I know it's gonna work because this is a kid. So I don't argue with them. It's okay, that's fine. Give me a week, we will see, we will observe. And if it doesn't work, I'm sure we will, you come back and we can talk about it and then we will find a solution. But this, if, when they when they see their kid very happy, they forget about it. And that's mm-hmm. also, it's all about how you interact with the family and keeping in mind not everybody's the same. Everybody has their own culture, their own values, their own belief. So you need to respect that. So do you have some sort of like system in place for behavior guidance? Um, it kind of sounded like you kind of have your own methods and own way that you feel works best with the kids. Could you maybe elaborate more about that? Absolutely. Our philosophy here in Jasmine Chalco is to explain to the kid, if they do something, talk to them, tell them. Instead of sending them, oh, you did that, you have to go to timeout. When you send the kid to timeout, they don't know why did you send them. They don't know what did they do, what was wrong about it. So you send a kid to sit there and he's crying and he doesn't know what's going on. So what we do is if they do something, we just talk to them. This is not right. You shouldn't be doing this. This is how you do it. This is your friend. Here we are all friends. We have each other. We don't hit, we don't push, we don't do that. So you just keep telling them, reminding them, telling them. It's all about repetition. And that's how they learn. Instead of sending them, time out. It doesn't work. 
Clearly, don't do that. Sky, did you have anything to add on those themes at all? Yeah, I, I take a lot of time to watch how Rhoda interacts with each child. Um, each child is going to be an individual, and so her ways of treating each child is going to be tailored to th that. So, like, um, so I spend a lot of time just watching on uh, how she treats a child. Sometimes, uh, some kids, maybe they have some trouble at home, and they're acting out, but what they really need is just a hug. And so maybe there was a child who was just screaming. And if I, I went close to the child and this child would just run away. Um, and then, but then somehow Rhoda just like hugged the child long enough to calm the child down and then just kept hugging and like uh, patting their back. And, and it just made a difference, right? Another, another time, maybe a child just needs completely like distracting uh, them from what they are concerned about to just kind of redirecting, right? So they're upset and you can clearly see that reason isn't working. And so she'll use some other thing to catch their attention and start asking them questions about something, either to make them laugh or make them wonder. And then suddenly the problem just disappears. And then they're just like behaving like normal kids again. So. I, I like to watch and see what techniques she uses and she uses different techniques for each child and um, it's always with patience but also a lot of creativity. Sometimes I, I don't expect, I'm like, oh, how did she think to do that? That's so, that's so effective. Yeah, that's super important uh, to meet each kid where they're at at their own level, especially when you're dealing with kids of all different cultures. Yeah, you definitely have to cater your approach individually. I think that's super important in childcare in general. You know, as a teacher, you're going to have a lot of tools in your belt, but how you use them is is going to differ between each situation and within each child. Yeah. And the other thing, I I think every teacher needs to know that not you don't have to expect that everybody or every, any kid who comes to the daycare would behave the same. Don't expect them that they will all sit down, listen to you, say, hey, teacher, I'm listening. No, it will be different. Every, every kid comes here with their own problem. But we don't know what's happening at home. And if the kid is acting in a such a way, we can say, oh, my God, they didn't teach. The band didn't take care of this boy. They didn't teach him this and that. We don't know what happened. We don't want to go to that conclusion. We just want to solve what's happening now. Maybe that kid is doing such a behavior because he needs attention. Mommy is busy. Dad is busy. He doesn't have anybody who looks at him. He wants your attention. Or maybe he's doing that because he's upset or something. And he wants to be, he wants to show you, hey, I'm upset. Can you please come come and hug me or give me a, give me a hug, anything. So you just need to figure out what's going on here. What is it? Before you go to somewhere and blame somebody or go to bias and say, oh my God, that's the, no. There is every action. There's a reason behind it, why they do it. And we need to find out what's the reason behind it. Instead, rather than going to blaming somebody and saying, this is why he's doing this. This is not our job. Our job is to find out what's going on and solve it. And if you will not solve it, talk to the band so that they can look for help. And have you ever had a situation where you have had to turn away a child because of kind of behavior problems? You know, that's my weak point. I had 
my teachers say, oh, I can't do it and they leave, but I want to help because I believe that if a kid comes here with an issue, if it's something that I can help, I want to try. I just want to, I don't want to say, I'll take your kid, go away. Because whatever is happening, the kid has nothing to do with it. He got nothing to do with it. Either if I can help, I will try. I'll check, I will observe, I will go after him and see what's the problem. If it's something that I can do, I will do it. If not, I'll talk to the parent and say, hey, while I'm doing this, can you please also find help this? And this, this uh, there's a case that happened, I think it's two weeks ago. Uh, we had uh, kids who came here and then they had some kind of, of uh, behavior issues. So, one of the teacher, when the first day they came, she said, oh, no, I can't. I can't take the issue. Just quit the issue now. But then we thought about it and said, hey, I can tell these kids. I can tell the mom, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't want to do this. I'm losing my teachers. Take your kids away. But then I asked myself, what did this kid do? He did nothing. If I can help, why don't I offer the help? If I kick him out, who's going to help him? He's been already kicked from three, four different daycares. So this was the last resort. And if I kick him, where is he going to go? What would be his future? I don't want to sit tomorrow and say, I wish if I could do this. I wish if I had done that. So I said, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I talked to the caseworker. Uh, the caseworker explained to me the case. And said, this is this is what's going on. They have been kicked from different places. Do you want to help? I said, yes, I want to help. It's not an easy. It's not something I'm, uh, I'm asking for, but I want to offer my help. Because these kids, they got nothing to do with this. So we did help the kids. It's not 100%. They are not okay, but they're getting better. It's getting better. And I'm working with the therapy, with the caseworker, with the mom. So things are getting better. Improving. So it's things like that. That's awesome. You mentioned a caseworker and a therapist. So do you have people that come in from the community that help you as well at the center? No, the caseworker and the therapy were already there because they have been from different daycares. They didn't know what okay. to do. So they sent them here. They, the the caseworker uh, emailed me and she told me the whole case. And then I said, okay, mm -hmm. I will help them. They came here. And then I was talking back and forth with the caseworker. Caseworker referred me to the therapy. So the therapy was contacting me. We were doing all of this so that we can help the kids. Mm -hmm. And they were asking me if I can keep them here so we can help them. And I said, okay, mm -hmm. even though I lost my teacher, but still I want to help. Mm. Oh, I'm so sad that the teacher left because of that. Yeah, some people, uh, they, she said, I, I, she was a mom. She said, I can't take this. I have my own issue to work with. This is too much. Mm. But again, yeah. I, if I kick them, what's going to happen to these kids? Right, for sure. I was just going to add that we do work with some community organizations, like there's uh, pediatric partners, partners mm -hmm. um, speech, and, and they have like uh, occupational, occupational therapy. therapy and all that. So we have a partnership with them and they um, would regularly come and do some observations um, or then if any child needs like speech uh, therapy, that they would do the sessions here. Um, because of the COVID. Yeah, just because of COVID, we haven't had that this last year. 
Okay, gotcha. Was that something that was in place even before becoming a nonprofit? Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. So it sounds like you have some, you know, community involvement already and some some awareness within the community of the child care. Do you think that is something that you would want more of? Yeah. So there there has been some awareness. Obviously, Jazz and Child Care has been doing all of the same work since the beginning. I think that in in uh, theory, they've been a charity ever since they started in that sense. And so it was only natural to become a nonprofit. Um, but as a nonprofit, it provides more resources and opportunities. And so now what I've been working on in the last year is creating more awareness so that we can get some of that, um, especially local funders to, to see the value of the work. And, um, and I think that's a challenge in any nonprofit is uh, you have to find a balance between doing the work and um, promoting about the work. And so um, we've been doing the work and now is the time to kind of show people what we've been doing and, and get the community more involved and more to, to get more of that support in order to do more, um, to make a community impact. What are some things that you would hope to do with additional funding? With additional funding, um, well, if there were no limits to funding, <laughs> I really want to like expand to another another site. Um, there's a huge need in Moorhead. Um, there's been multiple people that have requested that we would have a center there as well. Um, and then also just expanding that after school programming so that we can support children that maybe are struggling even with the support that they're getting at school because there isn't that cultural component. Um, just like there were some kids that we were supporting with um, homework during the summer of last year and the child maybe didn't know any English and was in like, I don't know, fifth, seventh grade and wasn't able to complete any homework because he just didn't know what was going on at all. And it was just, difficult for the parents to even help because they didn't know enough English to help either. Yeah, I think with more funding, what we're looking, what we would like to do is have a more uh, counselors uh, therapy so that we can work with the families. There's so many things going on. Some of our uh, clients came from refugee camp and, and there there's something going on with the kids. I mean, being a refugee camp, it's not something that's good. So, I mean, sometimes it affects the kids and the kids come here, still they have that inside of them. So with more therapy and more social work counseling, that would help a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. There's so much more that goes into it. It's not just about education. It's about helping the whole child. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why yeah. part of our mission is to be a holistic child care. Mm -hmm. That's how we also involve the parents in helping that uh, the care that we're giving them, that the parents and are doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing at home and here, and so that the children are getting a consistent um, education. Right. 
in like the cultural aspect of a holistic approach is so important. It's just as important as academics or any other part. But it's a it's it's an aspect that I feel is missing in in a lot of child care centers. Um, and there's a real need for it in many different communities. I think what you guys are doing is wonderful, and there should be more child care centers like Jasmine. I'll support Jasmine child care, either one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grow Jasmine child care and then start more other ones too. <laughs> I mean, it's hard mm -hmm. when you, you know. I mean, before we were for poverty, one of the things that we, we faced, the difficulty that we faced was. Some of the families, they cannot pay the copay. It's hard for them. So we have to pay from our pocket or sometimes we have to get, try to get from somewhere else. And that was taking a toll from our business because we have to pay the rent, we have to pay the teachers. We were not getting any help from anywhere. So we decided, what should we do? If we don't, if we don't find another, another solution, we're going to close the daycare. That's when we come up, okay, let's, let's do the non-profit. And that's why we become a non-profit. And the sad truth is sometimes, you know, when it comes to child care assistance, there's a line, you know, you cross the line by just a hundred, just a few dollars and suddenly you have this huge child care burden because you no longer qualify mm -hmm. and child care is not cheap. I mean, I think it was like in North Dakota, an average, 10, yeah, $10,000 a year for child care. Which you don't, you don't necessarily want it to be cheaper than that though, because you want to be able to compensate quality workers and you want quality teachers. And so you don't want, <laughs> you don't want it to be much cheaper either. It's a, it's a catch 22. <laughs> if you want to do a good job, then you have to pay your teachers good money. I'll give them mm -hmm. a North Dakota, I think is ranked at 48 out of the 50 states for how many kids are in preschool like the percentage and then like 73 75% of parents are working so there is definitely a need for child care yeah yeah for sure let's see what what advice would you give someone who wanted to start a multicultural child care similar to Jasmine i believe if you want to do a business, if you want to do something, you got to have the heart for it. You got to have the passion. You got to be something that you want to do because if you're doing something you enjoy, then you don't feel the time. It's just the time goes by. But if you're doing something you don't like, you're going to look. So if you want to open a daycare, you got to have a passion for it. You got to have a passion for the daycare. You got to be patient with the kids. You should be all, should be open-minded. Whoever comes to the daycare, you have to have an open-minded should be welcoming anybody doesn't matter who they are where they're coming and what kind of religion they have so it, it with the opening daycare comes with the responsibility if you're ready to accept that go ahead and do it sky what would you say yeah in addition to having that passion and tenacity patience i think understanding that you are constantly needing to learn um, everybody has biases, even if they don't intend to, or even if they don't even know it. And so always being ready to learn, 
and um, being humble and I would say, you know, try things that will work and get connected with the community. What advice would you give to educators or childcare workers who are not in a specifically multicultural setting, but there is multiculturalism there? How can they promote more awareness of multiculturalism in those types of settings? I believe if you want to work with a multicultural, then you need to know with the people. You need to know more about the people that you want to work with. You need to understand their culture, their values, and uh, what they believe in. And be respectful about that. Treat them the way you want to be treated. And be respectful. That's what I think. And do not charge a book by its cover until you read the book. So be open-minded. And I think that goes back to what I was trying to say about realizing that we have to be lifelong learners um, and learn in humility and understand that there are things that we don't even know about ourselves that will come up as we interact with other cultures. And so being patient with yourself, being patient with everyone else, even if something appears clear to you, um, it may have a lot of something behind it, right? So someone may behave a certain way that seems completely clear to you what's going on. And it could be that because of their cultural background, um, it's not appropriate to behave a certain way, which would react in this behavior. And I don't know, it, let's say it's something that you can't talk about. Um, and so then you would just avoid that conversation. And then another person comes in and looks at it like, why aren't you willing to talk at all? Point is, sometimes what you see may not be what you think you're seeing, and you need to let time explain the situation. Awesome. I love that. Sure, yeah. I experienced a lot of that uh, when I was living in France, just cultural differences. Um, even in the kids that I was working with, I had to adjust the way that the way that I approached working with them due to the differences in culture. Let me ask you this question. Now, let's say that you have you have a belief in your mind or something something that you heard about the uh, French kids here in your mind. Would that have affected the way you were interacting with the kids? Because you have something in your... Let's say some belief, something, a theory, somebody, a grandma or father or people talking, oh, French kids behave like that. And then you were working with the kids. Do you think that would have affected you when you were interacting with them? It would come to your mind saying, oh, yeah, because that, that's what they do in this. That's the way. What do you think? Sure. I think um, I think there were some predispositions that I had going in. But I think, yeah, I just tried to stay really open uh, to, to learn. And like I, part of the reason I went there was to learn about French culture and learn, you know, the language, and the language is so uh, tied to the culture. So I think if you're open to it, and you're willing to kind of clear your slate when you go in, and kind of make your own decisions about the culture, I think that's a better approach. But, you know, in France isn't like, it's really different from the, from the U.S. for sure, but there's still a lot of 
intermingling with that culture as opposed to if I had gone to like Japan or you know India I would have I think encountered a lot more culture shock culture differences in something like that as opposed to in Europe where most of the people are are still white like me (laughs) but uh, yeah there were definitely a few things that I had to kind of push aside when I was working with the kids and even things in my own culture that I was like, why are the French people acting this way? You know, we don't do that, but in France you do. <laughs> and there was a lot of those hurdles that I had to get over and, um, or sometimes crash over. But yeah, a lo- <laughs> even, even then, you know, a lot of that came up. Yeah. A lot of cultural differences. And if I may ask you, did they, did they tell you you have to learn the French culture before you teach the kids, or it just was your choice? Was it your choice that you want to learn that French culture before you teach the kids? I mean, I think you have to if you want the kids to listen to you. And French people are very proud of their own culture, you know. Um, when you're in France, you do things the French way does. I don't care if you're from America, you do things here, You're now you're in France, so you're going to do things the French way. And I think with the kids, too, you have to come to their level. You have to meet them where they're at. You have to do things the French way when you're working with the kids. Or they're just not going to... You're not going to be able to relate to them. And I wonder why don't they teach the culture of African or anything, the teachers that are teaching our school, the preschools. Why don't they do that? Why don't teachers teach about different cultures? Yeah, why don't they teach... A culture, let's say African American cultures. Why don't they teach the teachers who are teaching the preschool, like uh, elementary school, the high school? Why don't they? Do you think? Do you have an answer for that? Um, it's not but, important. Do you think so? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I think it has to do with um, who's doing the teaching. There we have a gap, where the teachers are not understanding these kids. Where there's nobody telling them, oh, at least we need to introduce the, t- the teachers who are teaching the background, the culture of the these kids. And it's not happening. So how do we expect these kids to be successful? How do we expect them to be just like anybody else? Yeah, as an ESL teacher, I saw that gap a lot, for sure. Yeah. And the teachers are so busy. Sometimes they don't even have time to add another cultural learning on their plate or another this or another that they're taking care of and this is what I saw the reason um what I heard from them was the reason because they have so much else on their plate how can they add another thing they're just overwhelmed and but yeah I wish there had been a lot more cultural understanding when I was teaching ESL as well it's it's so important it's crucial even in the mainstream classrooms you can't have only the ESL teachers understanding cultural differences (laughs) The school as a community needs to be on the same page as far as that. So yeah, it's it's a huge gap. It's a it's a big problem. We want to be successful, then the teachers have to take this step. And as long as we think it's not important, yep, we will yep. have a gap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very unfortunate. So thank you for helping fill that gap. That's one. That's one of the huge reasons your work is so important. Is you're, you're helping fill that gap. <laughs> we are telling them, screaming, but hey, waiting for somebody to listen. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll help you. 
we'll help you get people to listen. <laughs> we'll yeah, do what we can. <laughs> I think you've inspired me personally to think about when I'm in the classroom, how can I implement uh, that cultural aspect in my classroom in a way that's meaningful and um, important to the kids that are in my class. It is. It is. If you want to be a successful teacher, then you need to know something about the kids that you have in your class. Something. Mm-hmm. You don't have. Most of the teachers don't have. So we don't want to blame the kids, the teachers, but it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important. It's a, it's a cultural and systematic, systemic problem as well. It's not just the individual teacher's fault. It's what importance does the system place on on teaching these things as well is it in the teacher training is it in the staff training it's not there it's it's just not there yet and that's that's where it needs to start being brought in as well yeah again what you're doing is so important and we just thank you for doing this work and your love for these kids is very um very clear your love is very tangible for these kids so thank you for all the work that you're doing and yeah we hope that we can help you get the word out about it and help get you some support with it i have one last question so what is one thing that you wish that everyone working with children knew i think it's very important when you're working with a kid because kids are very vulnerable and they as a teacher they're looking up to you it would be good if you can Give them if you can give them the time to listen to them, to be uh, passionate. Give them enough attention so that they can come and feel safe when they come to you. They can talk to you. They can come and help you anytime. They don't have to. Can I hug you? They can hug you anytime. When the kids, when you, when you, when you build a good relationship and a trusting relationship between the when there's a Trusting relationship between the teacher and the kid. This guy's the limit. They can do anything. You can. They, they, they will do anything you tell them. What I tell them is, when we have this relationship, you're the best. You can do anything you want. There's nothing Paul I can do. Because kids, when they come to Arabic, say, I can do it. I can do it. There's nothing Paul I can do. You can do it. But you have to build that relationship with them. Give them the space that they can come to you, talk to you, hug you, tell that tell you what they want to, and not afraid of you if they tell you something you're gonna scream at them. Sometimes when kids cry and when the kids do something and they come to me, I tell them, you know, if you tell me the truth, I won't be angry. We can talk about it. This is what I did. Do you think that was the right thing to do? No. Okay. You don't have to do that again. Can you promise me? Yes. So what did I do then? I built a relationship with him. I give him the space that he can trust me. He can tell me if he does even something bad. He can come to me, but I won't yell at him. I, I, I built a safe environment for him. It would be good if every teacher can do that. Each child is unique. Um, they're coming from a unique background, a unique family. And so you need to respect and honor that while respectfully guiding them to learn the skills that they know how to do. Also, um, recognizing different skill sets, different um, things that the child is uh, good at and maybe needs more support in. Um, Just seeing each child as they are, 
um, honoring them. I think it's also very important to build that trust. And so being honest with the child, being consistent with the child. These are a lot of things. This is not one. I think it's just recognizing the uniqueness of the child and providing that support. Yeah, it's hard to say just one thing. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a mean question, I think. So sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up? We'll we'll get your information so that people can support you. We want people to know what we're doing, and we want them to support us. I love working with kids. It's not about making money. I don't make that much money. <laughs> but I, I, but I think we can help the kids. We can help them. If we work hard, we can help them. And just see one or two that become successful is enough. It's enough for us. But we want to, we have to work with. I mean, if everybody says, I'm, I, this is not my business. No, I got nothing to do. I, who's going to do this? Uh, so, we have the passion, we are committed, we want to do it, but we need everybody's help. If someone would like to donate, where can they do that? Uh, you can donate at jasminechildcare.org. Go to our donate page on there. And also we have other ways that um, you can support through volunteering. Um, we also take physical, like book donations for we're looking to get a, a sec, another van to pick up kids. So anything that is uh, good quality, like childcare, like books and toys and stuff like that, we can we can also receive those types of donations. So yeah, and we'll have those links in the description of the episode as well, so listeners can go ahead and check those out, and we'll know where to find out how to support Jasmine Childcare Center. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we really appreciate it. We're really excited to share your message with the community and with our listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please send us any questions you may have to careconversationspod at gmail.com or find us at careconversationspod on Instagram. See you next time.